0: Hello and welcome to this soundbite from our second episode of our Construction Law Masters podcast series. This episode featured David Barry, delay expert and founder of BlackRock Expert Services. I am James Doe, partner at Herbert Smith Freehills and head of the Contentious Construction Engineering Practice in London. As part of our conversation with David, we discussed his 2010 SCL paper on the dark arts in delay analysis and how his approach differed from the approach of the industry at the time. He also gave some words of guidance for those starting out as delay analysis experts. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For access to this and the other podcasts, articles and blog pieces on construction law and practice, please type into your browser www.hsfnotes.com backslash construction. Now, um, I just want to take you back in time a little bit to uh, one of your construction law society of construction law papers particularly the one in 2009 where we're talking about the dark arts in delay analysis mm-hmm. and I have to say that uh, when I read that paper many years ago it, it seemed to me a refreshingly straightforward way of explaining to a relatively junior lawyer as I was then about what my delay analysts are actually talking about <laughs> uh, which I, ha- I have to admit I didn't quite understand then but I do now but certainly your paper is um, was an important step along the way for me. Was that paper born out of frustration about how the industry was approaching delay analysis at the time? Because you get a feeling of that a little bit from when you... I reread it the other day, and I, de- and I definitely got, got, got that feeling of frustration on your part. But maybe I'm wrong. No, absolutely.
1: You're, you're absolutely right. I was um, quite frustrated at the time. Um, I was seeing um, both to clients, but also to the judges and arbitrators delay analyses, complex delay analyses presented using software and hardware, um, which would return impractical and sometimes nonsensical conclusions, um, oftentimes conclusions that were attractive to the paying party, um, and, uh, and those being you know, promoted and pursued in, uh, in dispute resolution. And um, I really felt it was a case of the Emperor's new clothes and someone needed to stand up and say, hmm he's not wearing any and uh, I and, and some others in the industry um, took a vocal position on that. Um, it was roundabout that paper was published round about the time the um, the first um, SCL protocol had been uh, had been kind of circulating and um, to my mind that had taken some of the recommendations in that edition of the protocol had taken us in a in a wrong direction and moving us towards the kind of theoretical and computer-based analysis. And that was part of what prompted me to write that article, that frustration. Um, I think since then, things have improved greatly. And I think there's a greater focus now on real practical and factual analysis. And um, um, we're in a better place. Um, I think the, the greatest... Um, development of the new protocol, I think, is the introduction of the concept of common sense and that we need to um, make sure that what we're producing uh, as delay analysts um, and as expert witnesses is something that meets common sense. And that's, I would have thought, a crucial ingredient of any dispute resolution forum.
0: Um, Some of your comments in that paper um, did appear to be critical um, of the focus on time impact analysis. Um, By the delay uh, industry um, back in two thousand and nine, particularly the endorsement of that method in the uh, the protocol, the Society of Construction Law Delay and Disruption Protocol. Um, What was the reaction of your colleagues in the industry to that, to those comments? Well.
1: some of them um, were were very disappointed with my reaction, <laughs> or at least my response to them. Um, you know, you, if the advice in that protocol and um, and what a lot of analysts were saying that this is the only way to do this at the time, you have to remember who's giving that advice—the very analysts who are the only people who could perform that type of work—and um, so one has to be a little bit cynical about that advice. Um, my perspective is we're involved in the construction industry, and it may be dispute resolution, but it's the most practical of industries possible. And um, to find a kind of a software generated theoretical um, solution to these practical problems seemed to me to be somewhat of a conflict. So I think um, probably the reaction was 50 50 among the people I knew working in the industry. It was a very lucrative area, it was a very um, busy area um, for for analysts at the time uh, with this great trend of you couldn't head off to court or or an arbitration hearing without a a fully all singing, all dancing time impact analysis and I took the view that wasn't correct Um, and that um, again switching to something that tribunals could understand um, and you could help them um, follow uh, your your logic and thinking um, would be a better approach, um, and I think most um, serious and, and well respected experts witnesses in the in in my field would tend to use uh, a more fact based approach and to avoid this type of analysis. That said, it's important for me to comment that time impact analysis on the project contemporaneously is a very important tool and indeed the second edition of the protocol which I was involved in drafting makes that clear that it has a great purpose um, to deal with things in a forecast sense because that's all you can deal with in the here and now.
0: From what you've just said I I, I get the impression that um, sort of one of the guiding principles, or overriding principles, of the way you adopt your delay analysis is is that factual, deep factual background. Get into the weeds of the project, understand what actually happened. That's the that's the cornerstone of your analysis. Would you Would you agree with that, or is there? Do you have any other overriding principles that you tend to adopt on every job you work on?
1: I mean. There's no doubt about grounding, grounding your analysis in the facts um, is is a principle I like to um, follow. Um, meeting common sense is a crucial one, um, and obviously maintaining an independent, objective viewpoint is crucial as well. The facts one is variable. The the reason it's variable is the the matrix of facts that you're presented on. Some cases is tremendous. You can tell things down to the last, but not in bolt. what exactly happened on this job, and sometimes you don't have that information. And um, you can't, I think, as an independent expert, just throw your hands in the air and say, I can't do anything. I think you do have a responsibility to come up with an opinion based on what's available. Um, You are presenting an opinion, after all, you're not presenting a fact yourself. So, um, oftentimes, you know, you you have to be in a position to present a tribunal uh, or, a, or indeed a judge with, um, with a view on imperfect evidence, but what you make of it, applying yourself independently, objectively, is as follows. Um, I think that's an important role of an expert as well.
0: One of the things um, I'm often asked, why is a construction arbitration different from a other form of commercial arbitration? Um, And one of the things I give as a difference is that expert evidence is obviously always necessary, almost always necessary. And the second point is the expert isn't just there to give an opinion sometimes. Um, Actually, the role of an expert is to find out what the facts are. I mean, they're not factual witnesses, of course, but because of the nature of the projects are technical and... It's not always easy for lawyers, even experienced construction lawyers, to really know what's being said or what's going to be important evidence, factual evidence. The experts often drive that process to say, well, we'd like to see these documents. And when you read, you know, I'll read these documents and I will be able to interpret them and tell you what I think they say um, or why they're important. And then obviously those documents then become the factual record and witnesses of fact will, will support them. But would you agree with that? Um, uh, proposition that delay experts in particular have a role as sort of investigators almost into the facts, good or bad, you know, they're not passing judgment or seeking to influence what the factual record is, but they, they do go into the record and find the facts that might not otherwise come to the fore.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a, that, that's it. that's an area that you need to be very careful with that you're not um, you don't cross the line and be someone who's presenting factual evidence. Um, though in kind of complex construction or engineering litigation, it's often the delay experts report a great forum for compiling the information that's relevant. And when you've got a robust um, process where involving another expert, your opposing expert, and and sometimes indeed a tribunal expert, um, you should arrive at a position where all of the relevant facts or all of the facts that are most relevant to the issues in dispute are collected, considered and assessed um, in that expert report. And oftentimes I know tribunal members um, will feel greatly assisted if contained within a single expert report or indeed Two expert reports, the, the opposing expert as well, is the the stadium of information that they need to consider. That's of tremendous advantage to a tribunal. Um, so I, I do agree with you, but you need to be careful that it's not you primarily presenting this evidence. You're really um, collecting it in a in a in a in a bundle <laughs> in a way that of importance. Um, there's nothing to stop. Opposing counsel from pointing out to you that you seem to have missed this one, and and um, uh, and so there are opportunities for uh, a factual collection or a record to be to be enhanced or corrected or or explained by by counsel. But mm-hmm. most good experts that I know are very good at compiling the um, the data that is available for consideration.
0: Yes, I mean, it, 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 you take an example of a case where you've got like a million emails, a million documents. Uh, you may only refer to two or three hundred in your report. By doing so, you've identified the two or three hundred of, of that of those million that are relevant to you consider relevant to the to the delay analysis that you have carried out. Um, so, in that sense, you are sifting and sorting, finding out the relevant information as you see it from from the from the. You know, you talked about finding needles in hay- haystacks. I mean, that's yeah. that's part of your role.
1: Yeah, that is.
0: But you're obviously opening yourself
1: up to serious questioning as to, well, can I show you this email, Mr. Barry or Mr. Smith, then? Um, yeah. why, why didn't you include this? So um, that is something you need to be careful with. I think actually the most important thing a delay expert does in, in helping narrow down a dispute or at least narrow down the field of investigation is the determination of the critical path, because in a complex construction or engineering job there will be a million delays, there will be delays every day, there will be delays every hour to individual events. Um, and what a, what a good expert, and, and particularly in collaboration with an opposing expert, can do is to say to the tribunal, actually the meaningful or material delays are in this sequence of works. And that allows something very, very huge and complex to be narrowed down to mm. aha, we're really talking about the South tower steel as opposed to the entire, um, uh, you know, resort. And so there are you know, that to me, I think is probably the most advantageous thing that a you know good, two good delay experts can do for the parties and for a tribunal.